Let me just introduce our speaker for those of you who don't know Suze this morning. Susie's been our youth pastor for some time uh, and more recently she's taken on other responsibilities, the discipleship year and, uh, and the young adults. And um, Susie has been a great source of uh, inspiration and wisdom to many of us on staff, actually. She's great fun. She's like walking sunshine and uh, always sees the positives. Uh, and that's supposed to be my job, but uh, she does it a lot better than I do. Um, so let me just pray for Susie as she comes and serves us by preaching this morning. Lord Jesus, we just want to honor and thank, honor Susie and thank you for her. And ask that everything would just flow this morning. That she'd just be able to speak from her heart after preparing. Uh, and Lord, we are so looking forward to hearing what you've got to say through Susie. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Well, uh, that was a great introduction. Loving it. Just, just give me a moment to basking that. No, I'm only joking. Uh, is everyone doing all right? Yeah? Good, because um, the title of this talk this morning is Immeasurably More, and uh, we're going to be based in the book of Ephesians, and I'd love to start off by reading you the Bible passage that was up on that back screen during worship. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And I'd say amen to that. And um, so we're going to be coming back to this later. Keep it in your minds. But has anyone here ever had sort of an immeasurably more situation? I'm talking about these kind of moments where perhaps you go into Starbucks and you're expecting to you order a sort of a small and um, they run out of cups, so you get a free upgrade. Or how about um, someone gives you a birthday present and you're like, oh man, this is just going to be lame. It's from great auntie Pearl. And you open it and inside it, is a fat check, good moment. Or what about you wake up in the morning and you're like, you think it's Monday and you're mentally preparing to drag yourself out of bed and you realize it's Saturday, glorious. Or if you're a parent here, sorry you don't get that, but you know, maybe you wake up one day and you're expecting the kids to get up at 6 a.m. but by some miracle, I've heard this does happen, they wake up at eight o'clock and you get a lion. Or maybe you come to church this morning and you're expecting it to be normal and you end up doing a Mexican wave. I don't know. Like, these are all kind of these immeasurably more situations. And for me, I'm not going to lie, I love it. I just love it when something out of the ordinary happens that is way better than what I was expecting. And um, years ago, I went to Florida with my family on a holiday. And um, there were five of us, and two parents and, and the three of us kids were there. And we were flying on a little bit of a budget. And so the plane um, was like a Ryanair-style plane, but to go across the transatlantic. So it was not a great situation. The way there was quite horrendous. And on the way back, we get to the check-in desk. This is before online check-in. And the lady says to my mum, ma'am, um, actually, I'm not going to do the accent. It's going to get me in trouble. Anyway, so she says, she says, there's a bit of a problem. The seats are in a four and a one. And um, so my mum, she... Um, she quite likes to kick off in these moments, so she instantly starts going over, getting involved. She, she doesn't like the idea of a family being separated on a flight. And for me, I'm a little bit more relaxed, and I guess I kind of love the drama, so I was like, stepped up to the desk, and I was like, what's the situation here? Where's the seat? Who's been separated? And turns out, it was me. And not only had I been separated, I'd been upgraded. And, um, <laughs> and um, 
So I said to my family, this is no problem. It's absolutely <laughs> fine. I'll take it. And um, so for me, it turns out it wasn't like amazing, amazing, because it was just premium economy, because this airline didn't do sort of first or business. But it was amazing. We're talking like a bigger seat. We're talking leg room. A little lady, would you like me to take your coat? That kind of thing. Real cutlery, no plastic stuff up the front. Strawberries. And um, I even had this little portable DVD player, which back in the day, that was pretty cool. And uh, the best thing about it, right, was that this sort of section was separated by a curtain. So I was at the back of the section by the curtain and on the aisle, and I just kept opening it and waving <laughs> to, um, to my family in the back. And, um, you know, I felt elite. I was, I was loving it. I'm not going to lie. I was absolutely loving it. And now every time I go on a plane, I always ask, because I've tasted, I've tasted the goodness. I always ask for an upgrade. It's never happened. But from that moment, it did happen. You know, I'm sure you've probably got your own kind of immeasurably more stories because we just love it when something way better happens than we were expecting. And talking of immeasurably more, you know, what about Leicester City Football Club? You know, sorry to the Forest fans, but I've got some fans in here. But at the beginning of the season, the odds were 5,000 to 1 that Leicester would win the league. Statistically, according to the BBC, it was more likely that Simon Cowright would become our Prime Minister that Kim Kardashian would become the next US president, and that Elvis Presley, who died in 1977, would be found alive and well. You know, it's hardly surprising, is it, that the city of Leicester just went crazy on the 2nd of May as they won the premiership. People up all night, a quarter of a million people turning up to celebrate. The unthinkable had happened. You know, that's obviously a pretty cool situation. Wouldn't we love that to happen with the England team? But, you know, yes, we would. But um, I would, anyway. I'm still a little bit gutted, but let's just move on. But when the Bible talks about immeasurably, immeasurably more, it's not talking about flight upgrades or football teams winning the league. Because these things are just absolutely nothing in comparison. The Bible talks about God being able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And this immeasurably more is, is something that is very difficult to get our heads around. And this immeasurably more is for all of us, you know, wherever we're at this morning, whatever's going on with us, because when it comes to knowing Jesus, when it comes to Jesus, there is always, always more. So I wonder what comes to your head when we're talking about immeasurably more this morning. What's the first thing, perhaps, that comes to your mind? Because I think that's probably quite a good starting point, because... I think the thing for many of us, when we see that Bible passage, might be brilliant. This is a great Bible passage, I'm on board. You know, God is able to do immeasurably more for me. You know, for me, I could do with that uh, pay rise, or a new job, or a new house, or a spouse, oh, that sort of rhymes, um, and I hadn't realized, and, or, or a child, or something like that. We're looking for God to do immeasurably more for us. But I'm not going to be focusing on the for me aspect of this today because what's been going on in the book of Ephesians up until this point is all about what God has already done for us. Paul has been telling the Ephesians who they are in Jesus. He says you're forgiven, you've been set free, you're alive in Christ, you're sons and daughters of God. That he, Jesus, loved us 
so much that he gave everything for us. It's all about him. And so it's in light of all the stuff that God has already done for us that God is able to do immeasurably more in us and through us. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. God is able to do immeasurably more in us and through us. So if you've got your Bible, grab it. We're in Ephesians 3. This, this is Paul speaking here. It's an incredible, incredible prayer. So verse three, chapter 3, verse 14. Okay. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of God, and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And it ends now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we may ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. And those words there, immeasurably more, I think are pretty interesting. And if we look at a couple of other translations on the same verse, it's interesting. It's slightly different, but the point is actually the same. So if we look at it in, in the ESV version, it says this. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think. The King's James Version says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. You know, it's almost as if Paul is kind of double emphasizing that point. You know, there's immeasurably more. There's far more abundantly. There's exceedingly abundantly. And um, I was pretty intrigued by all these words, and I was like, what, is, what did that mean when it was originally written? And so I took a Greek lesson with my friend Ollie, who spoke last week, and we looked at what the original words meant in Greek. And it's kind of complex, to, but to put it simply, the best way to describe it, the best word in English to describe what they meant when they originally wrote that is this word, super abundantly. What a great word. I am super abundantly loving the word super abundantly. You get it? And, and I think, you know, perhaps that'll be trending on Twitter this afternoon because the word super abundantly is awesome. But God is able to do super abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. You know, it's uncomprehensible beyond measure. It's way, way, way crazier than that flight upgrade or Leicester City as good as it was winning the league. You know, that's who God is. He is beyond measure. And of course, this phrase is not something Paul just thought of in that moment. You know, he didn't just come up with it himself. It's nothing new because in the Bible from the start to the finish, we see a God who is immeasurably more. That's God's character. That's who he is. And I love this Bible passage which will come up. It's in 1 Chronicles 29. It says this, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. 
You know, God is just so kind of super abundant, we can't get our heads around it. You know, think about creation. It's so extravagant. Think about how big and massive this universe is. You know, it's unnecessarily big. You know, we can't really get to Mars properly, let alone whatever else is out there as well. You know, or think about all the animals God created. You know, he didn't just create, like, the boring ones, like stick insects and cats. That's a joke. But, you know, he created... uh, Giraffes, or giraffe, and tigers, and chameleons. You know, they're cool, aren't they? It's extravagant, and the animals are pretty good, but think about us. Think about us and our brains. How incredible is our brain? How incredible is our memory that we're able to store so much information, some of it really useless? You know, you ever had that moment where, where the radio, you listen to the radio and a song comes on from like, 15 years ago, and somehow you know, you burst into song, you know the song, you know all the dance moves as well. For me, that's, um, that song, Steps by Trage- Tragedy by Steps. Anyone know it? Tragedy? Yeah, anyway. Anyway, it's a great song. I'm sure you've got your own little cheeky song, but God wasn't just extravagant at creation. You know, he takes Abraham, who's, he's so old, and him and his wife, like, they can't have a child, and he says, look up, look up at the stars. You're going to have more descendants than there are stars in the sky. He uses this guy Moses to lead a people out of slavery. He chooses this little shepherd boy called David and turns him into a mighty warrior who leads a nation. He looks at Peter, the guy who just puts his foot in it all the time, and he says to him, I call you the rock, and I'm gonna build my church through you. You know, God did immeasurably more in and through them than they would ever have dared to dream or imagine, because that's who God is, the God of the immeasurably more, and his character doesn't change. And so that means that God is able to do the immeasurably more in us, in you, and through us, through you. And I'd love just, I guess, to linger here just for a moment, because I guess, and I include myself in this, lots of us will have heard this Bible passage before. We might even be really familiar with it. But the question that I've been asking is, do we actually get it? Do we get it? Not just a thing that's in our heads, but a thing that's in our heart. Do we believe it when we feel like the immeasurably more of God is the last thing we feel like we're seeing in our lives at the moment? Does sometimes the circumstances of our lives cloud out the truth? Do you actually believe that there is more for you, that there is more for you. So I'd love you to keep those questions in mind as we look at a couple of points. The first one, God being able to do immeasurably more in us, and the second one, God being able to do immeasurably more through us. So the first one, what areas of your life are you longing that God would do immeasurably more in you? Because before we get on to the through us, it's got to start in us. And so much of that passage I said earlier, you know, it's, it's about truth. It's about a truth that we've got to get deep inside of us. Because, you know, if, if any of you are like me, you know, I don't feel like I always get it. I'm hungry for more of God. I don't look at myself and my life and think, yeah, I've got it all. I feel like I want more. And um, I don't know if any of you here have ever seen Oliver Twist. 
or you've read the book. And um, I just love that story. And there's a bit in it, isn't there, uh, for those of you that have seen it, probably one of the most famous bits where Oliver, he's eating this disgusting bowl of porridge. Uh, they call it gruel. A little bit like I had yesterday morning. Ran out of milk, so I had to make it with water. It's disgusting, so I feel like me and Oliver were on the same level. But he gets to the end of the meal, Oliver does, and he's, he's eating it all up as fast as he can. And, and he's like, is that it? Is that the meal? Like, that's, that's not going to satisfy me. And so what happens, and there's a picture to come up, is, there he is, he gets up, and he, and he starts walking, and he walks, and he walks, and everyone stops in the film, they're stopping, and they're like, what's he going to do? And he goes up to this guy called Mr. Bumble, who's like running this workhouse, and he's just horrible, and he looks at him, and, and he's got his little bowl, and he puts it up, and he says, sort of timidly, please, sir, please, sir. Can I have some more? And um, Mr. Bumble just looks at him and he goes, more! Or like, whatever in a manly kind of voice. But this, the, the, the film then bursts into that song, you know, Oliver, Oliver, never before has a boy wanted more. I could sing it, but that's not a good idea. But, but the point is this you know, sometimes that can be a little bit how we work with God. You know, we come to God and we're like, please. You know, feel a little bit empty. Could I have a little bit more? And God is so, so, so different to Mr. Bumble because he wants us to be coming. Not asking like Oliver was, please, sir, like that. But God, come and fill me. Would you give me more? So for you, where is it that you need that more for you? You know, maybe it's knowing more of his love. You know, we can never get it. We can never be fully know how amazing his love is. Maybe it's getting set free from some baggage or something that you carry around. Maybe for you it's receiving forgiveness. Maybe it's letting God deal with something deep inside of you that you've never spoke to anyone about. Because it's easy to settle. But I think what God is wanting to say to us today is there's more. There's more that God wants to do in you. And um, I've loved seeing the immeasurably more of God's um, recently with a few sort of things I've been involved with here and um, back in March uh, Helen asked me if I would go with a couple of other members of staff to this singles conference and uh, at first I thought uh, no like what a joke her, the context of this was her and Tom and some others had been on a marriage course and um, it's all about sort of how to do relationships healthy and um, I thought maybe she's trying to set me up with someone but at the end of the day, I thought, you know, just embrace it. Just embrace it. Just go along. And maybe, you know, I might meet Prince Charming or whatever. So it's worth giving it a shot. And um, so anyway, we get there. And um, there's a room full of 100 people. And I was delighted because everyone else looked kind of normal. Do you know what I mean? When you walk in, you're like... <laughs> but everybody looked quite normal. And then we got put in these groups. Most of the people there were sort of a similar sort of age to me. And we get put in groups. And within the first second, I was like... Um, I sort of looked around, did a scan, I was like, I think I'm in the wrong group. Because I was the youngest in my group by about 15 years, and I was just like, what has happened? And um, the people in my group were calling me the baby, and um, I think they were looking at me being like, who is this joker? But anyway, so I go up and I say to the people that are running the course, I, I, I sent them an email and I said, I think I'm in the wrong group, like, I think this would be better if I was like, with my peers type thing. And they sent one back saying, no, we've prayed about all the groups, you're definitely in the right group. How do you argue when someone says they prayed about something? I was just like, <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever. The other option was sightseeing in London. But anyway, I just thought I'd just stick with it. So this weekend, no jokes, it was 
probably the most intense weekend that I've ever been on. But do you know what? All jokes aside, it was absolutely amazing. It was amazing, and a huge chunk of the weekend, uh, it's similar to, to the marriage one, I believe, was talking about this, um, I was talking about shame, and was talking about what do you feel like you're carrying that you don't need to be? And I just couldn't believe how openly people in this little group shared. Just as an example of that, one of the ladies who was in our group, um, I guess she's in the, I don't know, four, 40s kind of, kind of category, so you can't really ask people their age, it's a bit awkward, but you know, when she was younger, when she was three years old, she had been in a house fire. So it was in the night, she was in the fire, and um, there was her and her sister who was younger than her. And basically the house was on fire and she tried to get her sister out. She got out and was not able to get her sister out and her sister ended up dying. And um, obviously that's a horrendous, horrendous story, something horrible to go through. And she'd been carrying a sense of um, shame and guilt. You know, could I have done something better? What could I have done? That had been, she'd been carrying that around for years and years and years. And do you know what, as she shared, we saw Jesus do immeasurably more in her. She shared, we prayed for her. And in that moment, by the end of the weekend, you know what, she was a different person. Jesus had come and met with her. It was incredible. And personally for me, you know, it was a profound weekend, a weekend of, of um, Jesus perhaps changing my perceptions on things. And it was just amazing to see this random group of people come together like a family and see Jesus do immeasurably more. You know, my expectation on that weekend was probably just that I'd get through it. Probably really was. But I came back, Jesus having done immeasurably more in me and seen it in my new friends. I've seen immeasurably more in some of the young people in Trent Youth over the last couple of months, and I just love it. I love to see young people meet and be changed by Jesus. And um, there's this one young person who's been coming along to youth for, for ages now, and I think it'd be fair to say he doesn't necessarily love it. At least his face doesn't say he's loving it. But when it came to DTR, he didn't really want to go, but his parents had booked him on anyway, which fair play to them. Great. I'd love to know how that conversation went. But anyway, he ends up coming to DTI, um, which is this camp we go on, probably with the only expectation of getting through the weekend. Maybe hanging out with his mates and playing on the FIFA on the Xbox or something. But he ends up, he comes to these meetings and he sees God do these amazing things. And he comes back, and, and the first thing he says to his mum when they get in the car is, Mum, oh, I loved it, I loved it. Would, um, can I go to Soul Survivor? Can I get a Trent Youth hoodie? And his mum's already like, what has happened to you? This is amazing. Anyway, a couple of days later, obviously the life of a teenager is somewhat up and down, as those of you who have teenagers will know, that he gets a little bit angry, and he punches a wall. And um, he punches the wall so badly that he ends up having to go with his mum to the walk-in centre. And they x-ray it, and the thumb is broken so badly, they say, you've got to go straight to the QMC to see someone different. I guess more of an expert in the thumb division. And, um, <laughs> what? Anyway. And, um, oh, anyway, oh, yeah, fracture clinic. And um, they say it's going to take, they say it's going to take a minimum six months to heal, and it might never get better properly. So they go out of the hospital, it's in like a, like a splint type thing. And, um, the young person says to his mum in the car, um, do you think if, um, if you pray for me that Jesus would heal it? And his mum's just like, she's almost like falling over because she's so surprised because for the last year or so, he's been saying, I don't even believe that Jesus is real. So she says, well, he's more likely to heal it if, if we ask him than if we don't. And so they, um, 
they pray for it. And um, a couple of days later, they, they've got this appointment to go back to the fracture clinic, and they've not really heard any more about it. But, but basically what's happened is that, is that the thumb, the movement is all back, the pain is all gone. And they see this doctor in the fracture clinic who's like, he looks at it, and he's like, obviously something here has happened. There's no need for any further treatment or anything. Amazing, amazing story. You know, there's not one of us here who doesn't need the immeasurably more of God in our lives in some way. You know, whatever stuff you feel like this morning you're carrying around. You know, whatever burdens you feel like you live with, God is able to do immeasurably more in you. And, and of course, we've got to address it. That You know, sometimes we see the results in the way we want, don't we? Instantly we get healed. Instantly we're set free from something. Other times, it's more of a process. And sometimes we just don't get the answer we're looking for this side of heaven. And personally, I know that that can be painful and confusing, and I'm sure lots of you would know that too. There's been some immeasurably more prayers that I've been praying in my life, probably for the last 15 years, that haven't been answered in the way that I would have hoped. And that can really be really hard. But the thing is, the goal with this is not necessarily the unanswered prayers or the answer to our prayers. The goal is finding immeasurably more in the person of Jesus. Because the thing I love about that prayer in Ephesians and the chapters leading up to it is that it it almost, it zooms us out. It takes us out of our own situations. It takes the focus from being all about us to being on him. And that's the thing we can't lose sight of. We've got to let him be our focus. The more comes in seeking Jesus, in knowing more of his peace, in knowing more of his love, more of his perspective, more of his presence. And you know what, I just reckon God just wants us to be so much more like Oliver Twist, just getting up out of our seats, walking towards him, asking over and over again for more. Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to experience more of your presence. Jesus, would you come and do the immeasurably more in me? So that's the first point. The second point is that God is able to do immeasurably more through us. And um, lots of you will know that I, with a team, head up this thing called DTI, and uh, it's, it's a youth festival for the Vineyard Movement, and um, I just love it. It's such a privilege to be involved with it. And um, this year, I went with a huge expect- expectancy of what God was going to do. But I'll let you into a little secret. At the same time as being really expectant, I was also quite scared. I had a little bit of fear because, you see, the last couple of years at DTI had just been incredible. We'd seen God do some amazing things. We'd seen massive growth. And because it's getting bigger, every year it feels like there's, you know, the expectation is rising. And in the back of my mind was these niggling thoughts, you know, God, what happens if everyone hates it? What happens if you don't show up? What happens if I'm speaking and the kids just all walk out, you know? What happens, Lord? I feel like I have immeasurably less to offer sometimes. But you know what? What? As you heard a couple of weeks ago, it was amazing this year. It was such a privilege. We saw almost a thousand of us gathered together. We saw God do some amazing, amazing things. And I had this moment during worship on the last morning where I was down the front and um, I just had this moment where I looked around and I saw literally hundreds of teenagers. They were singing that song, forever he's glorified, forever he's lifted high. And everybody in the room was just going for it from the front to the back. And it wasn't a superficial thing. It wasn't a moment of everyone just getting carried away. It was like in that moment, 
that God had captured the hearts of his people. And um, this doesn't happen to me very often. I'm not a big crier, which is not a problem. It's not like it's not, um, no, it's not a problem if you are. And um, sorry, I got very, a bit confused there. But anyway, I had this moment where I just, I just lost it. I absolutely lost it. And I just stood there, tears coming down my face as I looked around to see what God was doing through us as a team. I just couldn't believe it. And in that moment, I felt like God, I felt God's smile because he knew what was going on in my mind up until that weekend. I felt his smile and I felt him say, you know what, you see nothing. I am able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more. You feel like you've seen it all, but there is so much more. And I don't know about you, but I find that hard to get my head around. Do you know what, that God would choose to use us, that he would choose to do immeasurably more through people like you, and me, with our own failings, our own faults, our own hang-ups, our own insecurities. And the question it leaves us with, you know, is what today is God wanting to do through you? You know, that's just a, that story is just a little story of something I feel like God's speaking to me about at the moment. But what dreams has God placed in you where you're going to see God do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine? You know, because no one's left out. God takes our immeasurably less, and he does immeasurably more. So when was the last time that you stopped to dream for what God might have for you? For you, perhaps as a couple, for you as a family, for you with your friends, in your workplace. When was the last time you stopped to dream about what God might want to do in your street? And the thing is, you know, whenever we hear of God doing immeasurably more through people, it's always, always, always because of him. The immeasurably more stories happen because of his power inside of us. And that passage in Ephesians is interesting because the word power is actually mentioned three times in that prayer. Verse 16 says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Verse 17 says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Verse 20 says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power at work with us. You know, the immeasurably more is about him and his power. It's never about how good or bad we are. And you know, without his power... You know, I guess it's a little bit of a cheesy analogy, but we're like a car that's got no petrol. You know, if you're trying to push a car uphill that's got no petrol, one thing's going to happen, you're going to end up getting run over. At least I would anyway. But because we'd give up. We'd get tired. We're not strong enough to do it. And um, I've been reading a book just recently, this one here, and it's called Unstoppable by this lady called Christine Kane. And um, she's written a number of books. But if you don't know who she is, she's the founder of the A21 campaign which is one of the largest non-profit organizations in the world, which is dedicated to rescuing victims of human trafficking. And A21, their little strapline, is that it exists to abolish injustice in the 21st century. What an amazing, amazing vision they've got. And according to their website, you know, the statistics are just absolutely staggering. 27 million slaves in the world today, the average age of those being just 12 years old, and about 1% to 2% of those are getting rescued. It's a massive, massive problem. And this organization 
is amazing. They're seeing hundreds of people getting rescued, being healed, being restored, set free right across the world. And if you're interested, you should check out some of their videos on YouTube and on their website. But the thing that struck me through reading this book and some more of the stuff that she's written is that Christine Kane, she's just this normal person who God is doing immeasurably more through. You know, she's just this normal lady. She's got her own baggage, her own past. And in her book, she speaks of being abused herself, a broken lady getting to the point where she never believed that God would be able to use her. And then what happens is God starts to break through in her life. He starts to do immeasurably more in her. And she starts to capture something of God's heart for those that are being trafficked. And she dares to believe that God would want to do immeasurably more through her. She realizes it's his power. It's not about how good she is. It's his power. And this incredible organization is birthed from one person who dared to believe that God could use them. You know, one person gets rescued, two get rescued, three get rescued, and this thing slowly becomes a worldwide thing. And she says this, I just love this quote, she says, she says, God deliberately chooses imperfect vessels. I'm sure all of us can identify with that. Those who've been wounded, those with physical or emotional limitations, then he prepares them to serve and sends them out with their weakness still in evidence so that his strength would be made perfect in that weakness. You know, for many of us here, we might feel like we've got immeasurably less to offer. You might look at your life and just think, oh, I've got nothing to offer, but I think that's the point of what Paul's trying to get across in Ephesians. It's Jesus, it's his power in us, it's his power through us. The immeasurably more comes from being with him and being in his presence. And that Bible verse ends with, in verse 21. It says, it's to him that the glory goes. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Jesus is the one who takes the credit for all this. So God wants to do immeasurably more in us and through us so that this world might see him. And the glory belongs to him. And for that to happen, we've got to know more of his power.